Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. If you don't, it'll come up on the screen. And uh, I just want to reiterate something Sarah said in the video announcements starting next week. So not this week. We still got one more week of the year. But starting the New Year's on January 4th, so that's a Monday, the first Monday of the year, we're starting our 21-day Seek series. And you can find out all the information about that uh, on our website. I do have a message prepared for that next week of why we do that and what that will mean for our lives. But we want you to begin just asking the Lord um, how you can be a part of that. And every Wednesday during those 21 days, we're going to have an additional encounter service where we worship a little harder, a little deeper, and we just spend some time in the presence of God. Uh, I, f- I feel impressed this year um, that we're, we're going to linger in his presence. And normally we br- invite guests for those three weeks, but this year I think um, I just sense I'm supposed to do that this year. So I'm excited about that, and we're going to end it on that on the 24th of January with a night of of praise and, and worship. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've, we've been in the middle of our Christmas series. Today's going to be the last message for that. And I know that when we get done with Christmas, we get one more week left of the year. And usually this week, we start thinking about the next year coming, right? We think about New Year's resolutions. We like to look back at the previous year and, and just figure out like, well, how did I do this year? Last, last year, I don't know if you remember this, last January, we did a series called Habits. We talked about what if we don't actually do a New Year's resolution, but we just started one habit that we could start living out over the next year. And so my habit that I started last year was uh, to exercise three times a week. And I know that my COVID body doesn't show that, but I did show up most of the year uh, three times a week. There was a few weeks that I didn't if I was sick or something like that. But um, I did it. I did it. I started a new habit, and I'm excited about it, and I'm going to keep doing that, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to do that into 2021. But as we reflect on the, on the previous year, I think most of us agree, like, what a crappy year 2020 was. Am I right? Okay, so you get it. All right, and we all know why, right? The, the pandemic. I was thinking about this this week. Like, it's interesting that in 2021, like, everything about our life has been altered. And we've developed a new vocabulary. I would, I would lay money down that there's probably not a week that goes by that we don't put the word COVID somewhere in our conversation every week. And I would be willing to bet, just based on my experience, it's probably every single day. I mean, it's altered schooling. It's altered how we shop. It's, I mean, how we work now looks different. Even church has been impacted by, by this pandemic. And then throw on top of that the civil unrest that started this summer, which, which uh, uh, spun off some rioting and some violence. Uh, and then even on Christmas... I mean, Christmas is supposed to be the day, and we talked about it last week. Remember the Christmas truce of 1914 where the war literally ceased and people worshiped Jesus from the trenches? And then we have on Christmas Day a bombing in Nashville, Tennessee, right here in our own nation. And it just looks like with the pandemic and the, and the, the civil unrest and then the election that took place and all the fear it brought and the political divide that it brought, all of that. And we look at that and we look at Nashville and, and the media saying or, or doctors saying like this is not slowing down anytime soon. So don't expect, you know, like December 31st to be like... Um, 
There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Like there's going to be a magical flip around that happens on New Year's Eve and the pumpkin goes away or whatever. Uh, listen, uh, it looks like 2021 is going to, you know, it, what's it going to look like? And so it really makes me think that this Christmas message, and it felt like Christmas this year, even though it was different, had hope. That, didn't, that a, a new sense of hope that I have not felt in the past. And when we look at all those things, it really what it feels like is like, it feels like the world's getting dark. And, and, it, and I've had more questions asked this year about end times than I have ever had in my entire almost 20 years in ministry. Rarely does people ask me about the end times. But during the pandemic, especially uh, in the beginning of it, this all the talk around is Jesus coming back? Is this the end? Why do why are we sensing that? Because we are we are seeing the darkness and the, and it's like rattling our world, it's causing us to evaluate. And so we're looking uh, at that and just wondering, like, what in the world is going on? Why is there all this darkness? And Jesus tells us. When the world gets dark, we are the light. Be the light. And this Christmas story that we shared a couple weeks ago, we, we, we threw this out there. Like, shouldn't you want that to be true? Do you remember this a couple weeks ago? Like, it, it, Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think the hope that the Christmas story and the message of Jesus tells us that even if you're not a follower, you'd want that. Like, of course we want redemption. Of course we want all things to be restored. Of course we want everything evil and everything wrong to, to be eradicated and then there to be a new heaven and a new earth and God restores it all. Well, that's the message. And it's true. And last week, we talked about that Jesus was God among us, telling us this truth, showing us a new way to be human. But he happens to actually talk about on the other side. He knew when he was saying this, that he was going to return to the Father in heaven. And he tells us when the world gets darker, we're to shine brighter. Say this with me. When the world gets darker, we're to shine brighter. The message of Christmas is a message of life, a message of light, a message of hope, and it's true. And Jesus, when he tells us this to shine bright, it's in Matthew chapter 25. He tells us how to do this. How do we shine bright when the world's getting darker? I've entitled my message, Be the Light. We know that Jesus is the light, but then he commands us to be the light. In other words, I love this. We partner with God. On this side of eternity, we're partnering with him. So if you have your Bibles, this is the last of the message series for Christmas. And it kind of spins it from just the story of, of a baby appearing on earth and a virgin birth. And all those things are true, but it's actually meant to empower us. We are also called to be the light. So this is on the heels of, they won't show this, but I'll read it to you. So this is in Matthew 5, 12. It says, rejoice and be glad because the great re your great reward is in heaven. For in other words, our life is eternal. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what he's getting ready to say is on the heels of persecution. And I know that because of COVID, uh, it has, and all of the isolation has brought 
like loneliness, and, uh, and some people have said we are being persecuted, although I don't think it's anything like what's happening in the Middle East, where the Christians are Iran, and uh, the, the nations over there are beheading Christians, so that's real persecution. I don't want to minimize what we're going through. It is real, but it's on the heels of persecution, so let me say it differently. On the heels of something ugly, on the heels of the pandemic, here's what Jesus says to the followers 2,000 years ago when they were occupied by Rome, an occupation they didn't want, he says this to them. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of ugliness, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It, It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled Underfoot. I love how Eugene Peterson says this in the message translation. He says, he interpreted it this way, and I love this. He says, You bring out the flavors of God. That's right. I wanted to say taste. You bring out the flavors of God. That's what salt does. You, you season whatever you're preparing for dinner, you, you find the herbs, you find the spices, you find the seasoning. To, to take that thing and bring out a flavor that it wouldn't have been there if you had not added that salt. Listen, this is telling us you're the salt of the world. You're the salt of the earth. We are to bring a different flavor than, the, than what everyone else is. We are to bring, the world shares a conspiracy. The world shares its fear. The world shares what its opinion And God says, I want you to bring a different flavor out. And if you don't, what does he say? If you don't do it, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on her foot. Then in verse 16, he says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the light. In other words, we bring out the flavors of God and we bring out the colors of God. You are the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. And everywhere you go, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And we're to bring out a different color. The world sees in black and white. Heaven sees in full color. The world tastes bland, but everything that God offers tastes good. And he says, it is my people on earth that I partner with, who I put my Holy Spirit in, that become the fragrance of God, the colors of God, the taste and the flavors of God to the world around us. So we must look different. And he says this, he says, it's a town that cannot be hidden. A town is a specific place, right? Like we know this, a city on a hill, on a hill. When Jesus is telling this, they would have known this. In the Sea of Galilee, there were, there were hills all around the sea, and some of the towns were built on it, and you, you couldn't hide it. Anyone who's traveled knows this. When you're driving at nighttime and you go through the, we love like the Smoky Mountain area, the Appalachian Mountains. When we drive down here at nighttime and you come, in, you come over a valley or something and you see that light, it says you can't hide that. So what does that mean? It means, we're to, number one, we're to shine where we are. Shine where you are. Because the enemy wants to tell us the lie that we're not ready yet to 
be testimonies of Jesus to the world around us. We're not ready to shine our light. The way that looks is maybe you may think, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. So I'm not going to share a whole lot because, or the other lie he likes to tell us is because of my past and people know what I've done and they know the, you know, they've seen my shame, they've seen my sin, like they're not going to listen to me, like my story doesn't really matter or my place or I'm just a stay at home mom or you know what, I'm just a factory worker or maybe I'm an upper management and I'm not even allowed to talk about God. So I can't really shine. He says, no, this cannot be hidden. You must shine shine right where you are. We cannot allow the enemy to tell us that our our timing, where we are, and in the time that we are doesn't matter. It does. Shine where you are. If you've been around the church any amount of time, you've heard me share my story. Uh, And one one of the, the timelines of my story is I was a machinist for seven years at a a company called Eaton. It was in Marshall, Michigan. I worked for the Torque Control Product Division. We made differentials for GM trucks. I was there seven years. But the first two years, I was hired in in 1994. The first two years that I was there, I thought it was going to be a transition job, which means I had other plans. Uh, I had another agenda. I, Jen and I, we wanted to move to Nashville, Tennessee. You've heard me share that. So I'm thinking, okay, I got to do this to save up money. I got to do this to kind of, you know, get uh, some grounding in my life. And then in about two years, I'm going to move. In two years, God's going to have me doing the real thing I'm supposed to be doing. This right now, as a factory worker and a machinist, this is just temporary. I don't you know, so whatever. And I had this attitude like this job doesn't matter. And, you know, I'm just here because it pays the bills. What about two years went by and I didn't leave? I'm still there and I'm scratching my head and I'm telling the Lord like, hey, remember we, remember we talked about this and I said two years and I'm gonna, we're going to go to Nashville. We're gonna, I have this plan and it's not working. And he's like, well, that was your plan. But it wasn't mine. So then, then my attitude started shifting, and of course, you know the story. We ended up uh, jumping into helping to plant Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and so God is using all that, and I begin to look at my job differently, and I start, well, I'm going to use my job here as a machinist to just support me financially so I can be a worship leader for Radiant, and I, and I put no burden on them, and I loved it, and my heart started to shift. Well, the first two years, I was a years of like, because it was a union shop, you kind of start out at the bottom. So you work second shift cleaning toilets. Literally, it was my first time cleaning toilets. Then as you got more seniority, eventually I got to the assembly line. But about a little over two or three years in, I became a machinist, which I loved machining over the, the assembly work. But my machines would have a cycle. So I would put uh, my Bible down uh, about a two-minute cycle on the machines. I'd put my Bible down, put the part in the machine, hit the button, and I would read my Bible. And I started to view my job differently. It's like, all right, I'm going to use this. And I would read books to educate myself. I'd read leadership books there. And one day, this guy named Dan, he's on the other side of the aisle. And Dan is uh, an atheist. I don't know this yet, but he's picked up on that. I'm, this guy's reading his Bible an awful lot. And he has no context for Christianity. He has no context uh, about God. He grew up atheist. So he comes across, he, he's trying to be 
um, funny, but he was serious too. And he looks at me, and I, he had seen me reading my Bible for months. We worked across aisle, and he said he had a 20-minute cycle. I had like two minutes. So he would start his machine and, and just sit next to me. So he said, hey, how long have you been reading that book? I said, oh, uh, I probably seriously, you know, two or three years. And he said, and he was joking and serious all at the same time. He said, you, you, you still ain't finished that book in three years? And so, because he just thought, you know, you read it, you're done with it, like any, any other book. And I said, no, it's not that kind of book. This, this book is life-giving. It's, it's more like a spiritual discipline. So I had to unpack it. Well, eventually, he starts asking me questions about God, and I'm giving him books like Know Why You Believe and uh, skeptic, books on skepticism and things like that to help him kind of question where he was and see if Jesus was going to be a, a solution. And well, Dan starts coming every day, and because Dan had this larger-than-life personality, and he was popular at work, uh, uh, people started coming to to Dan in our Bible studies, and I grew a Bible study. Dan was an atheist. He eventually gave his heart to the Lord, but this is what I thought was very fascinating. I have an atheist bringing other unbelievers to my Bible study. I have unbelievers bringing unbelievers to my Bible study. What is that? That's shining where you are. The same for Jenny when we made the decision in 1993 some early, late 90s, 97-ish, 99, I can't remember, I think 97. She made the decision, I feel like God's calling me to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. And so she quit her job, and we, you know, we had three boys, and we were going to do that at least until our youngest gets into school. But we made that decision, and she, you could say, well, it's just stay-home mom. How can you shine in that? She invested into our children. We read it in Psalms 48 for the next generation. And so she's shining in her motherhood, planting seeds of truth into our children so that we would one day have godly men. And our, li- our boys aren't living perfect lives, but they are living godly lives. Shine where you are. And you do not allow the enemy to tell you your place and the timing of where you are is off or you don't have a voice because you do. Jesus said, you're the salt. You're going to bring out the flavors of God. You are the light, so you're going to bring out the colors of God. He goes on to say, neither do people put light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So number one, we shine where we are. And number two, when he's talking about we don't put this under a bowl, he's talking about hiding the light. He's talking about withdrawing from our faith, maybe from embarrassment or, or maybe, um, you know, we just, the culture seems off or it's not ready yet. So what do we do? We don't allow our light to grow dim. Don't put a lampshade on it. Don't let that thing grow dim. Let your light shine. And here's why this is important. Because if we don't shine, the darkness stays. Does anyone know the speed of light? 
I didn't know it either, so it's not a trick question. I didn't know it either. I had to look it up. It's 86,000 miles per hour per second. What's the speed of darkness? That is a trick question. There is no speed of darkness. Darkness is only the absence of light. Darkness can only move at the speed light recedes. Darkness can only move at the speed that we grow dim. And the, Jesus says, you, it's not, this is a city on a hill, cannot be hidden. Don't let your light shine and then put something over it. And here's ways we do it. I wrote a couple down so I wouldn't forget. But when, here's how we hide our light. When we're quiet, when we know we should speak up. When we go along with the crowd or we are ashamed of being a Christian or we reinterpret scriptures to fit our own personal theology that's different than what the church historically has given to us. When, we've, when we're more about being politically correct than we are about being biblically correct. When we want to hide our light from other people by not explaining our faith when we're asked about it. Responding to a cultural moments the same way the world does. We hide our light. When we respond the same way the world is responding to everything else, we're hiding our light. Because we should be saying something different. We should be giving a different fragrance off. We should be giving a different message. We should be bringing out a different color. So when the world shares the conspiracies or when they share the political differences and we get on social media and we jump in on the conversation and all it is is just white noise saying the same thing over and over and over, which is why I've made up my mind what I am going to share on social media may impact politically, but it's not going to be political. It's going to be life giving. It's going to be, I'm going to share good things that are going on in my life, good things about Jesus. I am going to respond to cultural moments differently than everyone else's. I'm not going to jump in on the hate. I'm not going to jump in on any of that stuff. I'm going to share the truth. I'm going to share the love and the message of Jesus. I think another way that we do this is when we ignore the needs of others. Another way that we do this is when we have an escapism mentality cloak in the return of Jesus. I've said this earlier, but never in my 20 years have I been asked so many questions about end times. I don't think I've been asked less than five. I don't think I've ever been asked, honestly. Not, rarely got asked about end times. But when COVID started and we started isolating and violence started breaking out and protests started going around the world, people started wondering, like, uh, I hope Jesus is coming back. And if I'm honest, in September, I, said, I asked the Lord, like, are, are you coming back? This is like, uh, but the Lord said, no, 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 no. If the Lord tarries another hundred years, we're going to keep shining. We do not hide the light. We don't back off the message. We don't back down on the good things of God. We keep sharing the light because at the end of the day, when the world grows darker, we got to keep shining brighter. The darkness does not mean Satan's winning. The darkness does not mean that Jesus um, is ignoring what's happening. He's saying, you are my people. You are the light. You are the salt. You keep sharing the message. I'm partnering with you. You have my Holy Spirit. It says, if the Lord's not returning, if the Lord's tarrying, it's because he desires that none should perish. That's why. That's why. So one of the ways that I, has, I'm not, proud to share this story, but it 
proves the example. I, I have in my past been afraid to share my faith. I have been in the past uh, not responded to a moment that I knew the Holy Spirit was nudging me to be the light in, and I didn't. When I was working third shift uh, at Eaton years, years and years ago, over 20 years ago, I remember it was summertime, and we would all take breaks in, uh, in this uh, break room that had an air conditioning unit, so a lot of people were in there. I certainly was living different because the Lord was changing my life, and I was transforming. I was serving at the church. My life, God was just doing amazing things in my life. So I didn't really fit in with the party crowd and the, the other people that were coming in the break room. They were part of I was friends with them. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't like, we weren't, you know, we were social, and, and we got along and joked around together. But I remember when they coming in, and they were all talking. It was a Monday. They were all talking about how they partied on the weekend. And one of the, the, new, the newer people that just started working there, her name was Kathy, I could see, she, she was hanging out with this crowd, but something was telling me, like, she's not happy. And, and I could see the sadness in Kathy, and, and I could see her laughing, but I, I believe the Lord was giving me spiritual discernment in the moment, and I could see she's laughing, but she's really sad. And I should tell her about Jesus. I, I didn't. And, and around that same time, there was a, a, another person who was very antagonistic toward me, called me a bigot and all kinds of things. So I was really nervous about what I was saying about Jesus. And I remember thinking, I should tell Kathy about Jesus. I'm, she's ready. Like, she needs to hear. She's not happy with the party scene. She's not happy with what's going on in her life. And I didn't do it. And I, I, and I didn't do it. I regretted it. Here's what happened. Years go by, I, be, I end up going on staff at Radiant in Kalamazoo, and Kathy sends me an email and asks me if I would sing at her wedding. So I show up, and on the rehearsal night, rehearsal night of the wedding, Kathy starts telling me her story. She gave her heart to the Lord. She found this Christian man. Her whole life changed. And I'm sitting there listening to Kathy, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of the moment in the break room years before that, how I didn't share the message of Jesus. So I started telling her about it. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, I remember that. And she said, I wish you would have told me. Don't hide the light. Don't thank God for the grace of God to send another believer to Kathy who was bold enough. Now, I'm not proud to share that story, but we do it. We're afraid, and it feels, it feels more hostile now. Now, it's different than it was in the 1990s. 20 years ago, we, we, we're not even the same culture anymore, so there can be a temptation to hide the light. Don't hide the light. Then it ends in verse 16. Jesus tells us how we do it. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see what? Are you reading that? Oh, it's up there. Okay. All right. That they may see what? Yeah, your good deeds. Good job. They may see your good deeds, not your theology, not your Facebook post, not your twit, tweeter, twit, Twitter, tweeter, <laughs> not what you tweet on Twitter. I think I tweet pretty sweet stuff on Twitter tweet. All right. So not your theology. Not the conspiracy that you want the whole world to know about. Jesus said, that doesn't shine my light. That just kind of keeps the whole thing rolling, and you're just part of the same noise that everybody else. I'm not saying there ain't some truth to it, 
But I'm saying it ain't what Jesus wants. That's what I'm saying. Jesus is telling us, like, here's how you do it. Shine where you are. Don't let your light grow dim. Be bold through good deeds. What that tells us is we don't need that no theology. <laughs> because we're just followers of Jesus, the right that, that, that you were made in the image of God gives you the right to shine for him. You don't even have to know good theology. You just have to shine where you are, be where you are, speak up when the Holy Spirit prompts you to. You have to know the appropriate timing and then do something good. Good deeds mean actions that have a positive impact, right? So number three, make an, an effort to affect the world around you. If Christians make no effort to impact the world, we're little value to the kingdom of God. We are valued in the kingdom of God, but we add little value to it when we shrink back. So how can you impact your world? Maybe it's the stay-at-home mom who's going to plant seeds of godliness into her children. Maybe it's blessing someone financially. Maybe it's lending an ear to someone who needs someone to listen to. Maybe you're going to call up that person who needs a word of encouragement. Maybe you're going to tip big when you can finally go back to a restaurant or, or share uh, your story with someone. Maybe you can ask someone, like, how can I pray for you? Maybe you pull over. To the per and help the person with the flat tire. I don't know, but Jesus said when we have good deeds, we're not saved by our good deeds. And that's where people get Christianity wrong. We think we behave good so God will like us. No, you're already loved. He wants to rescue you and save you. We only have good deeds so that the world can see the love of Jesus through our lives. James said, some have faith. Some have deeds. He said, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. That's how we shine light in the dark world. Here's what I want to do. Chad, can you, there's a box of candles right there. I need about, I need some volunteers. I won't embarrass you, I promise you, but you will have to come up on stage though. Can I get some volunteers? You're one, all right. Yeah, brother, come on up. Yes. Come on up. I'm going to hand you guys some candles and as, uh, yeah, a few more. Yeah, come on up. Thank you, brother. All right, social distance, boys, social distance. Come on now. I'm just playing with you. Go ahead. I ain't your, I ain't your mama or your governor. Here you go. <laughs> Don't judge me. Well, no, come on now. I'm just playing. Now, now I'm going to get emails. All right. Let's come on up here in front of the, I moved that. So come on up here, boys. And then let's give, let's give them a hand because they're good looking. All right, go ahead. Just spread out. Just spread out. Jesus said, the light in our lives will be like a city on a hill. And it's not like today we have electric lights and it's just shining like a runway lights from an airport. They literally had a candle. One family would have this little pod thing from olive oil and they put a wick in it and they would put it in the windowsill. And you can go ahead and kill the lights. Huh. The world is dark when no one is shining their light. It only takes one person, and Jesus says it's through a good deed. One light breaks the darkness. Then two lights breaks the darkness. 
Hang on, I got another. Oh, you got your own lighter? All right, do that. All right, here we go. Praise Jesus. All right, here we go. That's awesome. I got a Bic. What you got? All right, here you go. You got a Zippo. All right. Oh, wait, this is a Zippo. Look at that. It's dark in this room, but you see these guys, don't you? Jesus said it's our good deeds that shine light in a dark world. And church, I'm not, I know we're being funny. And I'm not saying these things about what we do in social media. I'm not saying they're not important. We shouldn't have conversations. We can but at the end of the day, it must be central to Jesus. It must be central to the King of the Kings and the Lord of Lords because you're not going to figure that conspiracy out, by the way. And knowing it isn't going to help. What helps is like, hey, I know that's scary. There's some truth to that. Shine your light. When the world's getting darker, and it is, we're feeling it. We know it. We get it. Shine your light. And if everyone at Radiant Church this week, you can throw that next slide up for me. This week, just ask the Lord, who can I impact? What good deed can I do this week? And when you do that, you shine a light, and then you shine a light, and then you shine a light, and it starts spreading, and we become a radiant church. We become a city on a hill. You cannot ignore the light. I don't care how much darkness brings. A smallest candle will pierce that darkness. I see some phones on in the room. Even the light of your phone breaks the darkness. So shine your light. Say this with me. When the world gets dark, we get brighter. Come on, let's turn the lights on. Let's give these guys a hand. You can blow that out. Thank you, gentlemen. Just throw them right in that box. Thank you. Hey, stand up. I want to pray. We're going to close in prayer today.